three, two, one. And can I note, Laura, you have the absolute best rhythm for doing that. Almost everybody else, else I know that needs to do that timing gets it a little bit off more often than not. <laughs> hey, Conrad, I'm here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, you know where I live. Come over and just slap me in the face next time, Conrad. You're number two, Steph. <laughs> You're right below Laura. Everybody else, if there could be like 20 people between them, they'd fall in under you two and them. Calling me a number two on a public podcast is also a little bit demeaning. I will say this. Being the counting people in person for every, for basically every podcast I am on, which at points was like six in a week at one point for the last seven years, I've gotten used to... I've got the muscle memory for it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Anyway, right? Yeah. When are the pair of you going to join me in my protest against uh, changing the clocks back and fucking forward all the time, right? <laughs> I figure if enough of us do it, we could really ruin our own lives. Oh, totally. Yeah. But we'd have the moral high ground. We wouldn't be able to function in society if we're just an hour off. It's, you know, butterflies flapping their wings and making tornadoes in Texas mm. from wherever the butterfly was. That's not it. There's no such thing as that. That's not how it works. It's bullshit. They shouldn't have put it on a poster on my school wall. <laughs> Laura and Conrad. So I'm going to say this about the time zones. I don't know why you're the one complaining about it, considering I'm always the one that has to do things an hour out of sync for a week. Oh, God, don't get Our me wrong. Our change early. You all get to... You just do as normal. I'm like, oh, God, where the fuck am I in the time stream? You've punctured my heart and it bleeds, Laura. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm not saying... Like, like this is for all of us, right? If we ignored this fucking daylight savings time or whatever it is yeah. right that's by the, that's like pro lifers calling themselves pro lifers right just dressing it up <laughs> oh we're saving time oh we're the real heroes no you're not you're wasting time i.e. mine when i have to keep looking up when fucking days change and i wake up one morning and i'm like what's happened to some of my sleep you thieving bastards yes but without daylight savings time how will capitalism ensure that you get up early in the winter when you don't want to get up to do capitalism and you stay up late in the, sum the summer when it's nice out to do more capitalism? How would they maximise your capitalism? I'm actually physically rocking back and forth. That's the correct response. I got that angry at it. <laughs> I got that angry at a minor inconvenience. <laughs> I know, I'm being sarcastic. So, it, get rid of the fucking time zones, they're a capitalist trick. Yeah. Fucking capitalism, fucking time zones. Time zones are fucking duh. Right? We should all just be on the same time. Now, for some countries, that will ruin their lives. But we'll have the moral high ground. And in a way, isn't that what's really important? I'm still a believer in just run everything off of universal. Uh, like, have one time, and that is the time on the planet. And sure... You know, America might be getting up at 2am, you know, is when the sun rises. You're going to have to get used to what you think time is. Right. Is going to feel a bit wobbly. But 
the day is going to change at the same time for everyone. If it's like, oh, we are, what what time should we do that international call? Oh, at the time, because it's the same time everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'd just like to take this moment to express my appreciation for Morris Day. That's a joke a couple people will get. It's okay. I don't understand it, but I support it. Ha ha ha. It is probably a funny joke that I probably understand. I don't know about that. I probably wouldn't go that far as to say it's a funny joke, but but it is a joke. There was a, a, a joke construction there, if you know who Morris Day is. So enjoy that. Yeah, all right, awesome. Well, we're in support of Morris Day. As well you should be. Universal time zones, universal basic income, the Universal Pictures logo, and Mr. Universe Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm sure there's at least one thing in that list I probably don't stand by. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I can't remember specifics, but I feel like there's a reason not to. Oh yeah, no, there are reasons. Maria Shriver, uh, oh, uh the the sex yeah. uh, abuse or sex harassment stuff. Yeah, no, there's there's valid yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't hear about that. I was I was just going to complain that he wanted to put, like, unnecessary age barriers on video games. I didn't know there was non-video game stuff. Occasionally, there, that does exist. Yeah. Occasionally, video games aren't the only thing on the planet. Sometimes. No. But not on this podcast. That's the only thing we ever talk about here. Yeah, it's only ever video games and only whether they're great or perfect or okay. I think we introduced as a third one at some point. Probably. I mean, you got to keep up in the stakes. Yeah. Eventually. Like, it's like Saints Row. They eventually got to do a soft reboot because they went so wacky. You can't do much beyond where they went. Mm, it's true. Right? Aliens invasions and, you know, Matrix shit uh, in space. Like, then you've got to go, okay, well, we'll we'll do it back in, like, a city again. And you're like, well, this is... If we do a soft reboot of Polquisition at some point, um, I already know what my first retcon's going to be, my first like major character change that's going to piss off all of the whiny internet babies. Yeah. Which is, when we do the soft reboot and we go back to episode one, episode one was about Link pissing out his ass. Ah. Mm. The soft reboot is going to be about Link pissing out her ass, trans oh, woman no. Link. Oh, We're nice. gonna have trans woman Link in the in the fucking soft reboot. Right? Don't gender swap the characters. Why? Yeah. Why? Why couldn't you have just you know created another character that happened to be a trans character? Nope, nope. It's it's trans oh. trans girl Link pissing out her ass. Oh That's, no. The retcons begin. <laughs> and because of the law of escalation. We'll know it's time for a soft reboot when she's taken a dump out of her tuppence. <laughs> uh, <sighs> it's Podquisition. It's a video game podcast. We're like seven and a half minutes in. That's a reasonable time to talk about video games, probably. Well, uh, you mentioned whiny babies. Yeah. So on the subject of gamers, I would just like to thank um, just the outpouring of love that my wrestling character, Commander Sterling, who will be viewable at Penultimate Rise live in Pittsburgh on November 13th or the 11th, <laughs> one of them, for a live contract signing. I believe it's the 13th, for, I think. Yeah, I think you're right, November 13th. Uh, but anyway, God, like... There was this picture that was taken when I was at Enjoy Wrestling of Commander Stunning, and I was really proud of it. And I was like, that is a curvy bitch. Mm -hmm. 
So I posted it and then, my God, it took a little while for people to spot it. But the amount of, of people tweeting it out, it's just an outpouring of love. Don't read any of what they're saying when they post it. Just look at the fucking picture. It's a fucking, like, I would be real fucking proud to have that picture exist. I am jealous of that picture. It's a fucking good picture. Yeah. Scott Cawthon stands are amazing. They are. I I had a week. <laughs> they are fascinating. The things that they think will be like, ah, got you, a beautiful picture of you. Mm-hmm. I don't understand them. To prove that I'm a weird freak. It's like, here's my wrestling character, who by design is a megalomaniac who cackles constantly. Yeah, it's a bit unusual. I'll give you that. Yeah, thanks for pointing it out, Cawthon fans. Still not as bizarre as donating to Mitch McConnell, an American traitor. The thing that I thought was funny about that whole response is that everyone was, like, upset at them calling him weird. But but he is weird. Like, yeah. set aside the Christian thing. You saw the games he made. Yeah. Dude's weird. And that's not a criticism. That's not a, like a dig or a, 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 or, or a slur. For God's sake, people have been calling themselves weird proudly forever. Well, I mean, you know, they're trying to say, oh, pot calling Kettle Black, you can't call Scott Cawthon weird when you are weird. No, if anyone could identify that, it would be you. Right, I'm the authority. A few weeks ago, I did a gymquisition wearing a ball gag. <laughs> Beautiful pink ball gag. Uh, because I was offended that someone sent an email saying I was too normal. You. Too normal, too normal. There's a Boston's favourite sun joke. Fewer people will get that than the Morris Day joke. Hey. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I just wanted to... to God, it's been a, well, it's been a week for all of us. Yeah. It sure has been a week for me. It mm -hmm. hasn't, though. It's been a year that you've managed to cram into a week. And that's just you, Laura, managing to be efficient. Yeah. Just stellar work yeah. lately, Laura. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the specifics here, but for anyone aware, I started like a fucking one woman crusade against the BBC being transphobic this week. Somebody had to. I mean, yeah, it sure as fuck spiraled. It's fun reading um, reputable UK outlets describe me as a threat to journalism <laughs> because of my progressive ideals threaten the BBC. Yeah, a BBC that will then go on to interview and quote, Genocidal monsters. Well, somebody has to. Well, we need to hear their side of the story. Absolutely. Just to be fair and balanced. We need to hear about the risks of women, you know, trans people in women's bathrooms by a, a serial sexual assaulter in women's bathrooms on the nose. Mm. A bit. Mm. The sheer laser accuracy of a turf's projection. Anyway, don't need to get into that. <laughs> it was bleak, though. I will say that. Yeah. I was actually shook, and I'm not shook often by things I read, but I read that and was like, holy fuck. If anyone doesn't know, porn star Lily Cade was quoted by the BBC um, talking about how uncomfortable she was um, doing anything with trans women. And then it had already been pointed out that she sexually assaulted uh, women in bathrooms. And then it was found just these long manifesto-like, dangerously violent screeds that she'd written about, you know, 
lynchings and, and other genocidal threats towards every trans person. So, yeah. And not great. Not the best look. Yeah. But the BBC seems like they're going to actually literally ignore that bit. Because they're so committed to that, frankly, unprofessional article. I'll say this much. Uh, by the time this Polquisition episode goes up, several uh, prominent news outlets will likely have um, made this something that the BBC cannot ignore. All right. I have been working real fucking hard on smoking gun shit about, like... My, my week has mainly been evidencing the fact that the BBC knew about some of this stuff before their fucking article went yeah. up. So that's fun. Should we talk about video games? I'd yeah. like to talk about video Sorry games about instead, that. please. Yeah, we... That's okay. Who's who's played a video game? You were really good on that TV spot, by the way, Laura. Thank you. I, not to change the subject again, but you really did amazing this week. I did a thing. It's going to be on TV. It's going to be on the channel uh, Jinx TV, uh, G-I-N-X TV uh, on Sky. It's going to be there at some point in the near future. But I did a thing. She I hosted a thing and I did real good and I'm very proud. Mm -hmm, you should be. You looked... Yeah. That jacket was... Fire. Oh, you looked fantastic. That jacket and dress combo is a look I can get behind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, have either of you played a game this week you'd like to talk about? Oh, God. We've become shy. <laughs> what is this? I think it's mostly that I, uh, I know that I didn't play anything that wasn't played by someone else. Okay. It's just that I, I've been so yelly up front. I was like, do I then want to just launch into one um all right i'll do that yeah i played happy game was it no i started a little bit on happy game happy game it it says in the warning it talks about photosensitivity stuff because there's quite a bit of flashy lights in this it's why i didn't stream it the other day when i was gonna in the warning, it says at the end, Happy Game is not a happy game. And it's not. It's a like, little point-and-clicky adventure game done by the Machinarium uh, developer. Uh, it's a little boy that goes into these little vignettes, um, like nightmarish vignettes. And it's mostly just pulling things apart, mm. squelchy things, um, solving puzzles by just picking stuff up and dragging them places and seeing what interactions there are. One thing I'll say for it is it's very imaginative visually. We're talking like those big yellow smiley faces, except uh, the eyes and mouth are holes from which dozens of hands clawing are pouring out and there's blood. Okay. You know, there's making toys interact with each other, like, like trying to find where the decapitated bunny's head is and then dragging that to the bunny so it can, you know, probably have light shoot from its eyes while it goes or something. It's very strange, but I found it fairly compelling. I'm not good at subtext, so I don't know. Insert Garth Marenghi meme. Yeah. Usually when there's subtext in a in a an indie game, I, I assume the game is about depression. Probably right. Yeah. Just from the ones where I have picked up the subtext, it's oh, this is about depression. But anyway, it's happy game. Yeah, happy game is um Huh, how do I how do I love and describe it? It's interesting horror imagery in very unconnected point and click puzzle interactions with very little discernible like actual aim of the horror. Well sometimes you've got to shake the rock 
to make the eyeball fall out. So you can feed the eyeball to the rock with the mouth and the eyes that follow you so that something happens. I can't remember why. I just remember feeding eyeballs to a big chewy rock or moon, whatever it was. Oh, there's one where there's all these like little hearts, little sentient hearts with little arms and legs, and they're all playing games. And you've got to like ruin their fun so that they get upset and explode uh, and leave a corpse because that will slow down the giant eyeless teddy bear that's chasing you to eat you. It stops to eat the other corpses so you can jump down a hole and then find more things to kill for the next animal to eat. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know quite how to feel about it. I was compelled enough to play it to the end, but once it was done, I felt a little like, like you said, like the horror doesn't feel all that connected. It's more like here is the next weird thing to look at. Yeah, it's a lot of moving between vignettes that don't really feel like they have much to glean from them. But in the moment, that's a creepy thing you're doing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there is no subtext. I mean, the ending's quite chilling, but I'm... I don't know what it's. I'm, I'm. I I don't question things like mentally, even if something annoys me, or I like I breeze past most things except the first reaction, unless I really concentrate when it comes to like narrative. I still don't know what Call of Duty is about. It didn't interest <laughs> me enough to do anything but glaze over or think of frogs while all the cutscenes played. There's a character called Captain Price, and he once launched a nuke. And then he was in a prison in one of them, and that's the story of Call of Duty. Well, no, the story of Call of Duty is that Activision Blizzard is a company steeped in abuse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that they're currently, uh, you know, in a court talking about. So that was Happy Game. Yeah, I wish I had more to say about Happy Game other than that is some juxtaposition of happy faces with horror elements. Yeah, it's got cool drawings that move. <sighs> what about you, comrade? What you been uh, playing? Um, well, I've been playing Unpacking. Oh, yes, yes. So this is a clicking game with a little bit of a Tetris or, you know, type vibe to it. I say Tetris, but like in the sense that we use colloquially Tetrising as a verb to imply fitting things into spaces. Yeah. It's basically a game about all the best parts of moving, which is to say unpacking your shit and figuring out where it goes. The worst part's the packing and relocating it. But once you've done that, you know, life's pretty good. It's kind of fun to and satisfying to find places for all your shit. Mm -hmm. And that's what this game is. So it's a real fantasy game, basically. Yeah. What's interesting about it is that there is a narrative sort of delivered through the implication of the items that you're unpacking. You're learning things about who the character you're portraying is and the other people in their lives as they progress from moving from one place to another to another. So I am right now at a point where I have gone to college, got my own place, or got moved in with roommates, then moved in with a significant other, then moved back home to my parents. Yeah, it does a lot of storytelling without any real words. It's hyper-minimalist in that sense, yeah. Yeah, it, it's mainly like, here is a year that you moved, the context of the place you are moving into that you can see, and maybe a one-sentence description when you finish the move, and 
with that, it manages to tell a story about the experience of moving multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting and fun and just casual and relaxing. And I like it. A real relaxing moving game. Yeah. So th- this is like high fantasy. This is like elves and shit. Yeah. The thing that brought it to my attention was I think one of the developers might have tweeted about it or someone else in the industry tweeted about it. Uh, They saw a few tweets of people seeing an item and being like, I don't understand what this is and and why can't I have it in these rooms? And it was a fucking GameCube. (laughs) So that ought to make you feel a way, maybe. If you are a certain age Mm. and into video games and would immediately recognize a slightly illegally distinct from a GameCube because they rearranged the positioning of the ports on the front and made it blue instead of purple. Foolproof. Foolproof. But that's, I mean, you know, it's got the handle. It's the top load tray. It's a fucking GameCube. And then you realize, oh, God, the world's full of people now who don't have context for what a GameCube is. And there's probably, well, I mean, there were certainly more of them alive when the GameCube came out that didn't know what a GameCube was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think, we, you know, we sort of think, oh, over time, it'll, we'll, we'll populate the world. Well, everyone, know oh, who's going to forget the GameCube? We forgot the GameCube. For shame. We've not done a good job of maintaining our history. <sighs> so now, obviously, the thing that's going to happen is Nintendo's going to put out another GameCube because we're doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so unpacking's fun. It, it's light. It's, it's on Game Pass now, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm playing it. And it, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. I, I'm enjoying it. So there. Yeah. I played a thing this week that I played because of uh, that thing I was on. Uh, I was on a show called Stream Shuffle. The idea is that you play an hour of a game that you have played before and an hour of a game that you uh, have not played or have not streamed before. And I finally got around to properly putting some time into a game that I'd heard such good things about and just never found the time to properly play. What the Golf? Yeah. I watched you play it. Yeah. Have either of you played this? I didn't. I don't think I've played that. No. I saw you play it, and I've got two takeaways from watching you do it. (laughs) Yes. One, that looks fun. Two, this looks explicitly designed to piss me off. (laughs) Just me. Like, just targeted harassment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, What the Golf is a silly nonsense golf game uh, where the premise is that there is a factory or some uh, lab that has realised no one is playing golf and is trying to make golf more interesting and is panicking, throwing out ideas. And you play through a series of largely pun-based levels of different mechanics that are all different spins on point in a direction and hold down to set your power and do golf. Okay. But it feels in many ways very comparable to something like uh, a WarioWare game or something like Donut County in that it is a game about like lots of interesting ideas that never outstay their welcome before it moves on to some new application of the idea in a couple of hours long game. Hmm. A couple of examples like early on are very just... 
trying to just trying to catch you off guard. So some of the early examples are like, ah, you're a person about to swing the golf club and and hit the ball. When you did so, you actually sent the golfer flying and you're trying to now sort of ragdoll golf swing the the golfer himself to the hole. Oh, okay. Yeah. On one level, you're doing the the golf mechanics, but you're playing as a bowling person whose arm is swinging around continually in a helicopter circle. And depending on when you do your shot, it will set the angle the ball goes. All of these ideas stick around exactly long enough for every level to do something interesting with them, and then it's like, okay, on to the next thing. If you like a particular idea, each level has two additional difficulties of level that you can play through that are optional that will use that same mechanic in a more complex way. Uh, And you'll have to do some of those to progress, but there are so many of them available that if there's a level you're really not gelling with, you won't have to do the hard modes of it. And it is just a very, yeah, as much as some of it starts off as very, like, silly, just silly mechanics, by the end you're doing stuff like, do a side-on perspective golf hole where you're dealing with the gravity of multiple moving planets. Like, there's lots of very creative, fast-moving ideas that all feel very well executed and don't outstay their welcome. Mm -hmm. It's a really neat game. Yeah, it was clever. There was a lot of clever stuff in it from what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really have much else to say about it other than, like, all all I would say about it beyond that is just I'd be talking about examples of things that happen in it, which I think are best experienced by... Playing it, mm-hmm. it's a couple of hours long apparently. Um, to to just power through, and then you can go back and do the more difficult stuff if you like. It's not a particularly lengthy game, but it seems very charming and very well put together, and I'm having a really fun time with it. Cool, yeah, it's a neat little game. What about you, Steph? Have you played anything else this week? Yeah, I played a game called Lady in a Leotard with a Gun. How is that? <sighs> is it 100% what I think it is? Yeah, well, on paper, yes. But there's no way of accurately imagining what it looks like unless you've seen it. Like, imagine if the people that did the Lawnmower Man's graphics were drunk, and then you get almost what Lady in a Leotard with a Gun looks like. Now, Lady in a Leotard with a Gun is one of many games produced by one of my favourite game studios, The Voices. <laughs> yes, yes. They released their games on PS4, charge 49 cents for them, and they're the worst. Yeah. But what I love most about them is you can watch the developer not only give less of a fuck with each game, but give less of a fuck within each game as well. Just over time, they cease to care. Just over time, on a macro and micro level. So the first game that certainly that I think I played was Spectre Woods, uh, which I went through all these on livestream earlier this week as well. Um, so I played Spectre Woods, which... Different graphical style than the others has a sort of faux pixel art style. It's like they did everything in MS Paint and then put like a pixel, like Photoshoppy effect on it to try and make it look a bit retro. I think it's trying to be deep. Now, like I said earlier, I don't always pick up subtext, so maybe you could help me with this. It starts 
with a woman in a white dress, possibly bridal, stood next to a shadowy figure in a red suit, maybe the devil, with what looks like a priest with a book between them. So maybe the woman is marrying the devil, I don't know. But it doesn't matter because immediately after that, you're in the woods with a gun and you've got to follow this trail of flowers and it it spawns as you walk forward. So there's like almost a feeling out process, but just stick to the flowers as they wind through the forest. You do that first level and there's a portal and you go through it and then you're on the next level. Looks exactly the same, except this time there are ghosts and you've got to shoot the ghosts with the gun. The ghosts look terrible. Anyway, you then see a ghost that is um, exactly like the other ones, except it takes so many more bullets to kill. It's like a minute of shooting this thing. Also, there's a little energy bar that ticks down um, as you shoot and needs to recharge. Otherwise, you just you might as well be shooting a pea shooter. It's really annoying. Um, once you do that, you go through a portal, right? You walk through more woods and then come to a grey splodge mm. just jutting out of the floor. When you approach it, <laughs> text comes up that says, my grave? <gasps> then she's lying on a giant headstone with the devilly figure and the priest, and it zooms out um, from above for a long, long time, and then that's the game insultingly over. Oof. What do you reckon that's about? <laughs> Because I've got no fucking clue. I actually don't think it's about depression like so many. I wouldn't want to, you know, psychoanalyze someone else's art. I do not have a fucking clue what that is going for. So we move on to Lizard Lady versus the Cats, which is a third-person shooter, and very much like with this game and all the ones that follow, the character model is... In the, the ones that were followed look like kind of they're made out of plasticine by way of Lawnmower Man. And they all stand there with their gun arm jutting out straight. No evidence that there's ever been an elbow because that way it just saves you having to like animate anything. So you then run around while cat women, not cat women, just women cats, like the cast of cats by way of Lawnmower Man, and I mean the modern cats. They just charge at you without rhyme or reason. They just run at you uh, and you shoot them and they fall over. And that's that. That's the game. 49 cents, though, so not a bad deal. What I love about Lizard Lady is uh, it's got a lock on. That's important. You can lock on and because otherwise, like trying to free aim, it's this tiny white dot and the things are just running at you. It's horrible. But anyway... During Lizard Lady versus the Cats, uh, there's some something I'd call level design with like a ma- maze-like structures. Once the game's over in less than ten minutes, you are teased with a sequel, Lizard Lady versus herself, which is actually packed in with Lizard Lady versus the Cats. So, hell of a deal. Two games, forty-nine cents. Thank you very fucking much. Oh hell yeah! Uh, Lizard Lady versus herself. This is where we start to see where, on a micro level, the developer stops caring. There are three acts, three nightmares. They're called Nightmare One. It's a maze-like structure, like in the first game, except the enemies aren't cats; they're Lizard Lady. So at this point, they've given up. 
having any other character model but the protagonists. So it's wave after wave. And that's it. There's no levels anymore. They've already given up on that and just splodged you in a map and just they're throwing constant lizard ladies at the lizard lady. No artistic merit whatsoever. I love it. Nightmare 2. Here's where it's breaking apart. This time it's like a series of thin platforms in a void. So even less level design. You fall off the platforms, you die. It's And the, the jumping and dodging is awful in this game. The walking is awful. It, terrible controls. So you fall off the ledges a lot. But it's gone from something approaching level design to just platforms. Nightmare 3, they've given up on the platforms. It's just the void. Now it's just the protagonist shooting the protagonist on a red floor. Lady in a leotard is that, but they took the lock on off. All of this is to say, before we started recording, I downloaded a game called Newtonian Inversion. Yeah. By the Voices Game. It's 49 cents, so you know it's going to be good. I'll let you know how that went next week. Sorry, I'm just in stunned silence. I'm... Uh-huh. If you look up the game, I, I tell you what, a better way of describing it is we keep the lawnmower man thing because that's important. We keep the lawnmower man graphics, except it's by way of um, what was that game? Cruelty Squad. Yeah, they're fascinating. They are fascinating. I am endlessly intrigued by this. I can't wait to see what corners there even are to cut for Newtonian inversion. It's like so many corners have been cut that by this time the game is just a fucking circle. Yeah. So I played some some not great games this week I can rattle through. Ooh. This is to do with a news story. You know how a little while ago we talked about the fact that Netflix was going to start wrapping video games into your Netflix subscription? Yeah. And they were sort of trialling this in some other countries. Well, in most of the world, if you have an Android phone as of the day of recording... You can now access Netflix's games offering. (gasps) And now, I will say this. First of all, and I don't know if this is part of the rollout or not, it was really fucking difficult to realise that these games existed or find them. You can't go into the Netflix app and go to what you would assume would be a games tab and find them. You ca- There's no dedicated separate Netflix games app. Yeah. You have to know what the games are called that have these Netflix icons on them that will only play if you have a Netflix account yeah. and download them from the app store. And then when you boot them, it will take you into Netflix to play them. That sounds convenient. That sounds almost as hard to find as Netflix's integrity when it comes to platforming transphobes. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, the only reason I bring this up is because these games are fucking shockingly shit and I want to talk about them. Are they? That's I'm stunned. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah, let me tell you how bad these games are. So, Oh, I'm settling in. Okay, here's the first game. Shooting hoops. Oh, God. You play a basketball with a gun taped to it. Ah, uh, sold. Yeah, okay. The basketball is continually rotating. When you tap the screen, the gun fires and that moves the ball in the opposite direction. Oh. Okay. And you are just trying to get the ball into the hoop many times. The problem is the ball spins so fucking fast, this game is fucking unplayable. It's real fucking... It's a better idea than it is an execution. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to try and look up some of these so I can have a look at you, because they sound like something I don't want to... I mean, I cancelled my subscription, but... Yeah, I, I, I've I, cancelled one that hasn't quite gone away yet, and I thought, fuck it, let's, let's yeah. fucking see what comes out at the end. There is Card Blast. 
cards will scroll. Uh, colorful playing cards will scroll up across the bottom of the screen. At the top of the screen, it will say certain poker hands you have to make. When you see one of the cards from that poker hand, move move it into the thing and then click and go. Yeah, I made that poker hand. Okay. It's got the aesthetic of like a bejeweled, but it is not about playing poker. It's just like, can you find three of a kind scrolling by? Oh boy. Yep. And the third one is called Teeter. You play a plank of wood with a ball on it, and you tap on the left of the screen to make the left side of the wo- the, the plank raise up, or the right side to make the right side raise up, and you try and slowly sort of wiggle this bit of wood up without losing the ball and put the ball in a hole. Okay. You can barely find any fucking footage or anything of these fucking games. Yep. Uh, that's Netflix's three original games for their um, their mobile gaming service they're launching with. Yeah, I think I I think I found the right footage for. Um, yeah, yeah, I found the right. The shooting hoops looks fucking dire. I can see the idea, but it doesn't work in practice. Yeah, I found some card blast footage. You see what I mean about it? It, it looks like a fucking Candy Crush or something, but you're making poker hands. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all there is. Yeah, it's garbage. Yeah. And Tita is just raise a bit of wood up until a ball goes in a hole. Yeah. They actually, they remind me more of those fucking games. Like, if you've ever, like, been in an Uber or a Lyft where yeah. they really try to, like, make an experience in their car and they'll have, like, an iPad or something hmm. um, with, like, these bargain basement or, like, the games on airplanes, the little screens in the backs of seats on airplanes. See, that's what I was about to say is it feels like fucking back-of-a-seat air f- airplane games. Yeah, like, just fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to play them. No. If Netflix hoped that this was going to be the thing to save people sticking around, it's not it. Just fucking play Grindstone. You want a good mobile game, like especially one with a really good take on those matching puzzles, right? Play Grindstone. It's fucking great. Grindstone's real fun, yeah. Uh, what about you, comrade? What have you played this week? I did wind up playing a little bit of Inscription. Mmm. I didn't get far in it it's uh i I think i've made it to the second boss yeah i made it to the second boss encounter so far in my play okay yeah yeah linda's gotten a bit further she's made it to the third i don't think they've beaten that yet um yeah it's creepy yeah i do quite enjoy the aspects of it where you're exploring the room and finding additional puzzle stuff that's real neat i enjoy that yep yeah it's it's good without you know me being able to say anything more about it than yeah it's pretty good i I will play more as someone who is at this point i think nearly finished it here are some things i will say for people interested in this game um first of all if you're interested enough that you want to watch a stream and want to know, like, what's the point I should back out and just play it myself if I'm interested? When you complete the first successful run, there will be a very obvious, this is probably where I should just go play it myself if I'm still in. Mm-hmm. I will give a warning, and I don't think this will be a surprise for people that have played Daniel Mullen's previous games. If you have any specific issues with fiction that deliberately blurs the line between reality and fiction... Uh, This is not going to be a thing for you. It is a thing that Daniel Mullins does with his games, and this is one of the more intense versions of it. Mm -hmm. That being said, it is fantastic. The very 
very interesting thing that happens when you complete a run. Very much like I was instantly on board with what this game became, and I don't want to talk about it other than to say that like it is unsettling, it is creepy, it is fucking great. It's real good. Nice. Yeah. It's by far the most I've enjoyed one of this man's games. Oh, I just unpacked a copy of Donnie Darko. Or, sorry, legally distinct from Donnie Darko. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, now, now I just hate this person is the thing. <laughs> it is, I think, the best job this, this developer has done of making, like, a really robust set of mechanics that play really nicely with the story he's trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real, it's real neat. It's real neat. Yep, I think it's real neat. I I need to finish it. I might I might try and find time to do that tonight. Maybe my cat was just swatting at your name in the Zoom because you highlighted <gasps> me. Yeah, you. I highlighted. Oh. Yeah, and so they were like, "Hey, movement!" And I I don't know why he's been attacking that monitor lately, but it's weird. Come here, you fuzzy bastard. Ah. <laughs> uh. Have either of you played anything else this week? Yeah. Yeah, would you play? No. I played a game called Mars. Mars? Isn't that an acronym? Mercenary Assault and Recon Squad. Hmm. When I did a video on it, I I tried to remember and came up with Massive Ass um, Runny Sphincter, uh, which might as well be the subtitle. Their trailer starts with the actual Ghostbusters theme. That's... Bold. And what is clearly like a cameo video or something of Ray Parker Jr. Wait, what? Who's just like giving some generic well wish. And then it launches into footage of a tepid Gears of War clone. Wait, they they got Ray Parker Jr. on board? Well, via cameo, it seems. Oh, 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 cameo as it. I didn't understand. When you said cameo, I thought, you know, like the technical term for a bit a slight oh, referential no, no. appearance, not they used the service cameo. He's ho- holding his phone and it starts with, you know, I ain't afraid of no ghosts and nor should you be. It's got nothing to do with the game. Wow. Yeah. So uh, they either paid £110 for personal use or what they should have done, which is £767 for a business uh, if it's being used in marketing. But I suspect they probably did personal use. Well, that's a shame because uh, uh, Ray Parker Jr. is a little litigious. Yeah. Yeah. In 1984, uh, he was sued by Huey Lewis uh, because the Ghostbusters theme was thought to be a bit too similar to I Want a New Drug. I mean, it's weird that this is like the third time in a week I'm telling this story, but the terms were settled like it was like a decade that this case went on and they finally come to a settlement and under the terms of the settlement it was agreed that the only things either party would ever say about the lawsuit or its outcome was what had been agreed to in the joint press release and then in 2001 Huey Lewis did an episode of behind the music where it came up briefly, and instantly Ray Parker Jr. turned around and sued him. Oh. So, these people better watch out. Uh, Steph, I'm super curious. I want to do some research now. Um, wh- where do I find this trailer? I want to see this trailer. It's on its Steam page. So, M-A-R-S. Okay. And, yeah, play some of the Ghostbusters theme, right? Mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> the first screen of the trailer is, like... The Ghostbusters logo, except it's a photo of Ray Parker Jr.'s face, 
poorly photoshopped into a red stop sign. It says Ray Parker Jr. got chart busters at the top. <laughs> then the Mars logo underneath. Then he appears in a tiny, clearly shot on mobile screen in the corner. So that logo stays up and says, hi, I'm Ray Parker Jr. I ain't afraid of no ghosts and nor should you be. You're a member of the League of Nations now, aren't you? I'm Ray Parker Jr. Uh, and then it's, like I say, footage of this. And the game itself has some interesting stuff going on. Yeah. So the League of Nations is just the force you are on in the game. And it's, like I said, it's Gears of War, but your character has a whale tail. Okay. It is, you know, really like bargain fucking basement Gears of War. But what is so good about it is the voice acting. Which is some of the most patronizing shit I've ever heard. There's this character called Emma Lynn, and she is the best character in all of video games. You find her, and she says, Hi, my name's Emma Lynn. We've got to open the gate. We must lower the bridge. Like, slow and deliberate like you'd like try and explain something a bit complicated to a four-year-old i can't do it justice i actually put some highlights of the game on my twitter and that's at jim sterling if anyone hasn't you know um abandoned it because of too much wrestling talk but if you do want to check it out i it's so good that i had to and after like loads of this dialogue where she is explaining really simple things like we're in the lower levels that's the depths she then launches into exposition about like advanced scientific things and she squeezes about six minutes of narrative into 30 seconds and he's talking so fucking fast for the really complicated science shit for the world building and the law but goes really slowly when it's pick up some grenades it's fucking incredible it's made by a studio called ying pei who apparently have repackaged this game several times they keep changing its name and putting it up and at no point have they ever like made it good uh, it's got a multiplayer mode that no one's playing and fighting against the bots is actually incredible fun because you don't know what they're gonna do you might have characters that as you try and revive them, they'll slide across the floor really far away, but you're still reviving them, so it's okay. You might find one who's just in the corner. Just There's two guns, that one's, one it's holding, one's on the floor, and they just keep kicking the new gun into their hands and dropping the other one and doing that over and over again until another bot shoots them. If you shoot enough enemies with the assault rifle you're getting a little little achievement called assault rifle serial killer so that's good as well isn't it hmm. the microtransactions are as insulting as they are presumptuous there's so many of them and like four different currencies this game's free to play right you can ignore that this game will never be worth all that but it's just hilarious how presumptuous that is for a game no one's fucking playing or cares about so we've got the voice acting, we've got the fact it's made by Yingpei Studios, who apparently was a division of Epic Games. Mm. Huh. So in some way, there's genuine like Epic DNA in this game. Also, it doesn't work on Windows 11. They've apologized for the inconvenience, but won't fix it. Huh. That's Mars. It's my new favorite game. 
Wow, that is, huh. Mm-hmm. You've been on some journeys gaming-wise this week. Oh, it's been <laughs> a fucking week. They re-released Head Over Heels. Why? Right? Fewer people's going to know what I'm going on about than either the Morris fucking day or the Boston's favourite son reference. Head Over Fucking Heels, a game I played on the Commodore 64 and don't even think back then I got out the first room of. It's fucking awful. <laughs> They remade it, like, with new graphics. It's fucking awful. The isometric controls are confusing because down is left uh, and, like, up is right and shit. Like, just, oh, it's horrible. You've got to do, like, from a very harsh isometric perspective, do platform jumps on moving platforms and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You switch between two characters. One is heads, which is a head with arms, and one is tails, which is a head with legs. And one of them can jump high and one of them can pick stuff up. It's fucking awful. That's all I've got to say about that. I picked it up and was like, maybe with my developed adult brain, I'll get out the first room. I did, and there's nothing good beyond that. Huh. Also, if you select new game and old game, you'd assume that would mean like you'd old game would be the original like Spectrum or Commodore game. It's just the same game as if you hit new game. Okay. So what's the point? Mm. No, no, sorry. I apologize. That was a stupid question. Yeah. So head over heels. I talk about Moon as well, which I tried playing last year, but it's just as fucking awful. So we can that's that. Isn't there another game called Moon? That's like a first person shooter that was oh, on the DS. Think. Yeah, like I think it was like a horror shooter. Yeah, or something. yeah. Yes. from the makers of Dementium. I want to say. Oh, Dementium! I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, very notable uh, DS first person shooter in that, like. It really, really pushed the DS technically, like, about as far as it would go with 3D graphics. Well, it became a big thing, was like, let's get a really good first-person game going on here. Uh, yeah, that's what I remember about Moon. But this is not that Moon. No, this was, like, Onion Games, one of my favourite developers, sort of helped bring out this remake of, I think it was a PS1 game from, like, I don't know if it ever made it West, but called Moon. And the premise is fucking clever. Like... You start off with an image of a TV screen. I'm getting into it now. With an image of a TV screen, and on it is like a really stock standard JRPG. Yeah. And you play that for a bit, and like for a couple seconds, and then a new, like a bunch of save files appear, and then it's a save file from later on in the game. So it's like a an interactive montage of a kid getting through a JRPG. Goes right up to like 20 hours in where you're fighting the the evil dragon and then your mum tells you to turn the TV off, you go to bed with these really cute little hand-drawn images. Then you get sucked into the video game, except the hero you were playing as is a fucking monster. Like you witness it early on, like this hero and a little slime monster and the slime monster is shivering. While sinister music plays and then a giant bolt of lightning is summoned by the hero and burns it to a crisp and just walks off, moves on to the next one. And you, the the general premise seems to be, because I didn't get far, you find the ghosts of the monsters that the hero has left a trail of corpses of. And there are these cute monsters lying, like, split open, eviscerated, burned. And their little ghosts, like, are hidden in the world. You find them, bring them back to the monster and bring it back to life. And you've got to do that within, like, a minute, because if you don't get back to a bed and go to sleep within, like, a minute, it's literally game fucking over. Huh. No time for that. As you reunite ghosts and monsters, you earn love. 
which is like you can level up how long you stay out. But when it gets to nighttime or when it gets to near nighttime, you move half as fast and you've got to run out and try and do maybe something before you go to bed again before you've got to run way back to grandma's house and go to sleep. I haven't got the patience for that. Uh, I'm reading about this now. Fun couple of facts. So for anyone who's looking for this one, it's specifically the full title is Moon Remix RPG Adventure for the PS1. Uh, apparently, it was a major influence on Toby Fox for the design of Undertale. I can believe that. Which then led to the original designer localizing the game properly, which led to the port happening. So Toby Fox has full circled into making you able to play this re-release. Oh, that's fascinating, actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little collector's edition where you could be the cute hero. There's this cute little premise where no one can actually see the little boy that gets sucked into the game. He's invisible. And then later on, like you can see them as a sort of ghosty thing, but later on they're given some clothes that are visible. So from then on, you're just a little hat and gloves and shoes walking. Uh, and everyone recognizes you and mentions you by your name, but says, oh, but that person died, so you're not them. It looks fascinating, and I really want to press forth with it. But this mechanic where you've got such a tiny amount of time to go out and do something before you die and that's it. And you've got to return to your last save, which is when you last slept. So whatever it is you were doing, you've got to do it all over again. I fucking can't stand it. It's one of those games that sounds like it really needs some quality of life shit to make it. For someone who felt like they really didn't do anything of like of worth game-wise this past week, I have had a bit of an adventure. You have! Yeah, you certainly have. I have. You know what else we've had this week? We've had some news. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Things continued to occur. Oh, no. Things have continued to happen in, in video gaming. So this first story comes from the New York Times. Activision Blizzard commits to improving diversity and workplace culture. Now, let's get into the specifics before we have uh, responses to that. Activision is putting $250 million towards hiring more women, people who identify as non-binary and those from underrepresented communities, uh, according to Bobby Kotick. About 23% of Activision workers currently are women or non-binary people, and the goal is to increase that number to about 50% over five years, apparently. Gonna go get me a job. <laughs> I'm sure they would hire you in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, and I'm sure my soul would remain untarnished. Get, get one of those uh, diversity hires I hear so much about. Mm-hmm. The company said it was also waiving mandatory arbitration a way of settling disputes outside of the court system for ha sexual harassment and discrimination cases, a much-requested change by Activision employees and protesters in recent months. Yeah, we talked about this being a thing that was really limiting people's ability to talk about what they had gone through to the people investigating the company. And of note, the mandatory arbitration has been waived at the point that all of the lawsuits are having trouble a little bit. Activision has said it would adopt a zero-tolerance harassment policy, um, with those who were found to have harassed employees would be fired rather than possibly receiving a written warning or disciplinary first. I'm, I'm glad that sexual, sexual crimes 
are a one strike you're out now. Probably should have been before. Should have been. Doesn't sound like a kind of crime you typically give warnings for. So going back to the arbitration thing for a second, I, I was muted. Sorry about that. It's interesting how the arbitration element very specifically and only seems to apply to the problems related to labor that have a lawsuit levied against them for. Yes. Weird how it's so specifically that and not like in general, we're not going to force arbitration. Yeah. Makes you think. It sure seems like they're only making that leeway on exactly the one thing that there is current pressure on. Yeah. Bobby Kotick also said that, uh, that to ensure that every available resource is being used in the service of becoming the industry leader in workplace excellence, <laughs> ha, 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 he was ar- asking Activision's board to reduce his total compensation to $62,500 until the board has decided the company's reached its diversity goals. Did we mention that last week? I remember going on some rant about how that's fucking nothing to him. It may have been somewhere else, though. I think this was new this week, but yeah. Okay, I yeah. Because it's fucking nothing. He's a billionaire. It's nothing. He already had, like, tens of millions of dollars out of the company already this year. He got paid, like, over $150 yeah. million this year in bonuses that he's not having to give back. Oh no, he's spending a couple of years uh He says minimum wage for California. There are people within his company who are being played less than that. There, and, and now, the minimum wage thing, he's not talking about, like, I think, federal minimum wage, state minimum wage. I think he's specifically talking about the minimum wage that that executive position is uh, can be paid within the company. No, I, I could be wrong about that, but I might I might be wrong. The way I saw it reported was that it was a minimum wage that was, like it was something to do with like a California specific ruling. This is not a national thing. No, it's not a national thing. But what's the how, what's the total again? Yeah, sixty two thousand five hundred. I think you are right that it is for the position, but I think it is the position within the state. Uh, well, that comes to uh, let me see here twelve fifty a week. So. $5,000 a month, um, let me see, would be, there'd be 160, uh, it's still thirty-one twenty-five an hour at a full-time salary, which is, I believe, more than twice what California's state minimum wage is. Yeah. So. That is the thing I want to point out to so the people saying, oh, he's, even if you're going to say he's taking quote unquote minimum wage. He's still making twice as much as the minimum wage workers working for him. Exactly. And just keep that in mind. So the uh, ABK Workers Alliance has been a group that has been like making really big pushes for some of these changes and is continuing to push for other changes. I'm glad that some of the things they were demanding have happened. Sure. I hope that people keep the pressure up and do not go, oh, it's fixed now. So, yeah, well done to them for getting this done. Absolutely. I hope that they achieve all of the things they're currently pushing for. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steam's not allowing NFT games on the platform, according to uh, Peace on Enemy. That's a good thing. Yes. Now, I mean, it is not a selfless thing, because I think as we all well know, Valve wants to completely control the sale of digital 
products on their platform. Agreed. Uh, they want to keep their economic ecosystem completely closed uh, so that it continues to drain and funnel money back into their coffers and maybe a little bit for developers and publishers. So that this just seems to me about that and not any sort of altruistic desire to yeah. uh, mitigate the harm of NFTs entering into the gaming space, but I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, whatever fucking keeps NFTs from getting more mainstreamed is probably fucking good. Yeah, yeah. You know, the motive may be sketch, but the action is welcome. Yeah. Mind you, Ubisoft's picking up the slack. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to mention that Ubisoft thing? I can't remember if I put it on the list. What is what's the story? Uh, Ubisoft wasn't content to abuse just its workforce. It wants to extend that abuse to the planet. Well, they've been doing that. They, there was something like they sent those emails. There's an automated email sent out to people who had played Far Cry. What is it? Six or whatever? Yes. Mocking them for how little they played. Yeah, it was the villain saying, "I'm disappointed in you." So yeah, they're just harassing their customers now as well like that shows you how desperate for engagement these games are like what's prioritized we can't it's not enough to buy it we need you to play it yeah just stay in this ecosystem <sighs> so in an article uh in a move that will hopefully be um positive eventually maybe in the future it's gonna depend on its fucking um implementation so we finally got the long rumored news that facebook is trying to re re fucking brand itself as meta mm, i i'm not I, if oh if i hear metaverse one more fucking time my yeah tits are gonna explode i can't with it yeah but the the thing that i found interesting about this is that at some point in the next year Facebook is going to find alternative ways for people to not have to do the mandatory Facebook sign-in to Oculus devices that they made mandatory. And from what I have seen from doing some Googling of how uh, Oculus headsets sell, they were very much the front-runner in, like, everyone fucking thinks this is the future of VR, and then the Facebook forced integration happened, and their sales really fucking suffered. <gasps> I'm hoping that they offer a good alternative, because if so, fine. Maybe I can start recommending Quest headsets to people again, because they're, they're good bloody headsets that are hard to fucking recommend at the moment. The thing I found uh, about... The thing I saw about Facebook this week that I thought was kind of interesting and sort of shows, I think, where they think the wind is blowing, too. Um, they announced, I believe it was yesterday, that they are turning off facial recognition features for automatic photo tagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're going to delete, uh, it seems, all of the content that was captured slash provided to make that possible. Now, it should be clear. It should be clear. This does not mean that they're going to stop with facial recognition. Yeah. They're simply not going to be including it in this way in this product. So they're still going to develop it. They're still going to sell it to fucking governments and it's going to be bad. Uh, I think more than anything, this just sort of indicates to us how far along the technology has come that they no longer feel bad about ditching all of that free data that they collected and hoovered up. Uh, they got what they needed to out of it and now they're happy to let it go. 
because the press is bad. I think a big part of it as well is this is the most visible place that most people will encounter the fact that Facebook is doing this. Absolutely. This is a self-regulating move. They're afraid that governments are going to come down hard on them. Uh, I, I don't know why they would think that because I've seen no fucking evidence that that's the case. Yeah. On top of that, you know how we talked a while about, ago about the fact that Twitch seemed to be building up to a feature where you could pay real money to get a stream more visibility on <sighs> Twitch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's available now for certain US viewers for certain channels, mm-hmm. but we now have the specific numbers involved in what Twitch is charging for. Someone watching your stream, and you cannot turn this off as a streamer, can spend 99 cents to get uh, to get your channel recommended to a thousand people, 297 for 3,000 people, or 495 for 5,000 people. There's no discount for the volume, but it's like, hey, basically 99 cents per thousand people we, for a few seconds, put on the someone's homepage, and that's technically a recommendation. The most a viewer can spend in one go on recommending your channel uh, is $500. What a bargain. All of this can fuck off. Just all of it can fuck off. Yeah. Uh, other fun facts. Streamers can apparently pay to boost their own stream, essentially paying for self-promotion within the platform. Oh, here we go. Well, you know, it's... Hey, that's just... You know what? I, I'm I'm totally understanding of that move because Twitch has got to be pissed off that all these bots have been coming through their channels for years promising to do the same thing and cut out the middleman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, the backlash has been pretty intense from the community. Of course. All of the top voted responses from streamers are very negative. Um, a reading from a Eurogamer article one comment suggests that partnered streamers shouldn't be able to use the feature, otherwise the feature could disproportionately help bigger streamers who already have the money and do not need to boost their streams and can most afford to do so. Like, there's a lot of differing arguments about this. Like, people going, okay, you have the ability to promote streams. Why are you charging small people? Just just promote them. Mm. Well, I mean, this is this goes back to what I've always said about these video platforms. The only consistent rule is to be successful already. Yeah, I mean that's true across across all of this shit going on in our world right now. Oh yeah. Uh, now the NFT thing, right? Somebody. Uh, replied to some tweet thread that I was in pointing out that the only people who are going to make money off of NFTs are going to be crypto organizations, power companies, and the artists making the quote-unquote art. And that last one, already we can see that it's only going to be the people who already have an audience who are already successful artists that are going to get that benefit because mm -hmm. everybody that everybody's ever heard of has jumped onto this train now or is in the process of doing so. Mm. So there's not going to be any discoverability of new art for these. It's going to be people buying the same shit from the same people that they've always been buying the same shit from. Yeah. Also, like, there is no transparency for this regarding, like, are they actually boosting you to people who watch the sort of content you make and might actually view you? Most of those things are a fucking con. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine so. Um, people have pointed out, like, a big part of this is it's going to exploit community members' desire to help support 
uh, their communities. Additionally, none of this money goes to the streamers, which is not made clear to the people spending that money. They do not know that they are paying the money entirely to Twitch and none of it to the streamer. It's just a big fucking mess. Yeah, it's, it's pretty disgusting. Yeah. So that's that. You know how that Super Mario Brothers movie hasn't come out yet and we haven't seen a trailer for it? Mm-hmm. We, we don't quite know what's going on with it. Apparently, um, Nintendo and Illumination are like, I'm guessing they're pretty confident in it because they're working, that there are reports that they're also working on another film, a Seth Rogen solo Donkey Kong film. Sold. Somehow, I don't know why, but sold. Yeah, actually, that I would watch. Yeah. So the thing that makes me believe this is that part of the report talks about the fact that, like, it's going to center on multiple of the other Kong characters. There is a weirdly large number of them in the cast for the, the Mario movie. And that sure would make sense if they're doing that to... To set that up, ...build yeah. the spin-off. Yeah, to set up the spin-off. Oh, no. Not a metaverse. No. I think we're doing a fucking metaverse. No, no I can already see it. They're going to do these, like, solo Nintendo films. Yeah. And then it's going to culminate like an Infinity War or something. The, like, the Avengers thing will be a Smash Brothers. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It has also been pointed out that about a year after allegedly this will be releasing, the Donkey Kong theme park expansion for the Mario theme park will be opening. And yeah, again, you can see all the pieces drop into into place. I can see all the pieces. And then I can see them getting like, like running out of ideas and like just wanting to cram as much franchise as possible. So very much like we've got, oh, Spider-Man from Raimi and Andrew Garfield and MCU. Oh, they're, they're all in the same film. And they're fucking doing that with DC as well. Eventually, we're going to have a Super Smash Brothers movie with a ghoulish, ghoulish CGI Mario. Yeah. And and when I say CGI Mario, it's Bob Hoskins, right? <laughs> Just a ghoulish CGI Bob Hoskins fighting Chris Pratt and Charles Martinet. Okay, but sold. Yeah, sold, actually. <laughs> Just don't call it a metaverse and I'm in. It genuinely does seem like this first film might, to a certain degree, be trying to throw some characters at the wall. So if there is a successful character people enjoy, they can really hone in on that sequel. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I look, it, Nintendo seems to have some faith in this. I'm, I'm deathly curious about whatever the fuck this will end up being. But yeah. Blizzard co-leader Jen O'Neill stepping down after just three months in the role. Lasted less than a quarter. The first woman of color to have a seat at the table. Gone in less than a quarter. How fucking bad is it? Let me read the fucking statement. She's announced she's stepping down from the role and will leave Activision at the end of the year to explore... How can I do more to have games and diversity intersect? You mean, how could you do more than from a position of leadership at one of, at the, is it the largest publisher of video games? It really does sound like she wants to make games and diversity overlap more. And she has, after three months, decided she can't do that at Activision. Which again, I would like to stress is the biggest <laughs> publisher of yeah. video games in the world. 
the one that would have the most impact theoretically. But Bobby gave up his loose change from the back of the sofa, so... Oh, well, never mind. What am I doing complaining? I'm sorry. Yeah, <sighs> nothing to see here. Oh, so yeah, yeah, that, that happened... But there's there's some slightly better Blizzard news to finish on. Like, we're going to finish on good Blizzard news for once. As Blizzard's internal troubles continue, its games continue to shed players. Oh, yeah. Blizzard's monthly active user count has dropped again, the, uh, the embattled company admitted last night during a quarterly results call. Uh, monthly active users for their games are down 13% year on year. You know, still 26 million people, but that that is, a you know, 13% is a noticeable drop. Mm-hmm. They've overall shed over a million active users since May and three million since the quarter before that. Yeah, the bad news is that their revenue's up, but the number of people playing their games is down, which we take the fucking wins where we can get them. Well, it just tells us that they are um, more heavily exploiting their users. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. For once in my life, I can actually say, Blizzard, I feel your pain. (laughs) (laughs) I know how that goes. Drops in users for slightly different reasons, but... I get it, bro. Actually, exact opposite reasons. You've gotten more diverse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, and you're not exploiting your customers. No, No. Which, by the way, hey... Products available at the gymporium.com. Dot com. <laughs> yeah. The world's a terrible place, I think. Yeah. I'm starting to come around to this conclusion. I'm pretty as fuck, though, so. That helps. Takes the edge off. It really does. It really does. Speaking of pretty as fuck, Laura, you've got things on the internet. <gasps> Last oh, I checked. Me? You, yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, hi. Yeah. Go check out uh, twitch.tv slash Jinx TV. G-I-N-X TV. Go check out the vote of me doing stream shuffle. I'm real proud of that. It'd be real good if people checked it out. Also, there's enamel pins of the Laura K. Buzz logo with the little trans pride flag wings on the Gymporium. Uh, go check those out. They're, they're real good. People seem to be really enjoying them. Go check them out. Also, I've got a book that I'm crowdfunding at the moment. It's called Who Hunts the Whale? It's about the video game industry being shitty in a definitely fictional world. Uh, I'm writing that with my wife. Go check it out. Uh, if you go to unbound.com forward slash books forward slash whale or search Who Hunts the Whale Unbound. Other than that, Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Uh, I've got other books. You heard me talk about them to death. Um, I do a bunch of podcasts. One of them's Dice Funk. Conrad used to be on that. I used to be on that, but now you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at thegymporium.com. You could listen to me talking more podcasts on Let's Talk About Snacks, talking about snacks. And uh, my partner, Linda Camiola, is going to be coming out with a a horror podcast. So, like, keep an eye on my feeds for that because I'm going to be on the first episode of that. And that's going to be really fun. Um, And everything I do gets supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash fist shark. And hey, you know who else has a Patreon? It's James Stephanie Sterling. <laughs> That's correct. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. You can chuck money at that if you like. Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling is where I do some live streams. You know, do those Monday afternoon and maybe at some other points in the week. November 13th at the Howe Building, Pittsburgh is 
penultimate rise, the next show there, where I'm doing a contract signing for the I Quit match on December 11th, uh, which promises to be a good time. So I think that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening, for supporting, for anything you do. Um, do check out my Squirty Play on Mars on my YouTube channel because it is yeah. fucking funny, uh, even if I do say so myself, which I do. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.